Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Boom for Real, the late teenage years of Jean-Michel Basquiat follows Basquiat's life pre-fame and how New York's and also the story of New York City in this time and the people and the movement surrounding him formed where he, what, how he became the artist he became using never-before-seen works, writings, and photographs. Director Sarah Driver, who was part of the New York scene herself, worked closely and collaboratively with friends and other artists who emerged during that period of time. It is a wonderful documentary. It's called, as I said, Boom for Real, The Late Teenage Years of Jean-Michel Basquiat. And we're fortunate to have with us today the director, Sarah Driver. Sarah, welcome to Film School. Thank you very much. Thank you. I really thoroughly enjoy revisiting this time, this period of time, because for me, it feels like this documentary presents at a time of, of great artistic blossoming for a lot of different people, for a lot of different reasons. Um, tell me a little bit about your, your sort of coming to this project. How did you come to the, uh, the idea of doing a documentary about Jean-Michel Basquiat? Well, you know, the Lower East Side was flooded by Hurricane Sandy in 2012. And um, I went over to see my friend Alexis Adler, who I knew had lived with Jean-Michel because she had a mural on her bedroom wall. And uh, her bathroom door was painted by him. And I just went over to see her after the hurricane. And she said, Sarah, I just went to my storage unit because after Jean left, I had put all these papers and a notebook away. And I was afraid that it had been flooded out. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she collected all this material. And, um, and it was all fine. It was perfect. And then she showed it to me. And it was like 60 works of writings, drawings, um, him trying to, to work through things. Um, uh, she then remembered that she had a box of, of clothes that he had painted. And Alexis is a very, she's a scientist, and she was studying at Rockefeller University tropical diseases when Jean-Michel lived with her for about nine months in 7980. And I'd always wondered about, like, his graphs and charts on his paintings. And then I realized those all came from her science, him looking at her science books. Oh, yeah, and I started, and when I saw what she had, I thought this is not only an insight into him as a developing artist, but it's also such a great insight into our city at this particular moment in time between 78 and 81. And what was that? For a lot of people who weren't around during that period of time, what was New York going through during that period of time? Well, nobody wanted to live in New York. It was uh, very dangerous. It was considered an extremely dangerous city. Uh, especially downtown, which was uh, many of the blocks were burned out because of, uh, you know, the, it, it was more efficient for a person to burn down a building and get insurance money than to put tenant, tenants in the building. Um, it was, uh, the city was kind of like the Wild West. It had no laws, no rules, um, which was fortunate because when we were first making films, for example, we didn't need permits or insurance. None of that even crossed our minds or even asking permission of people who would walk by the camera as we were shooting. <laughs> um, and um, it was, a, it, 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 you know, the, a lot of people from all, a lot of young artists from all over the country were drawn to New York 
because of like Warhol's factory, because of their heroes, their Ornette Coleman and Theonius Monk and the whole jazz scene. And, you know, the, it, it, the 50s was also such a culturally rich part of time in the city and the, and the 60s. And, um, and, you know, a lot of young people at the end of the 70s in the late mid and late seventies were drawn to the city for the same reason. Yeah. And I would throw in there velvet underground. There was the, you're talking about the Warhol scene that certainly musically right. was a, was a huge influence as well. And, and so out of this sort of ruin, out of this sort of uh, uh, down period of time in New York, these, these artists converged and you're, you're right in the film. This is what I really like. There's, I've seen films about the New York scene during this period of time but I've never seen one that caught quite as granular as this one does in terms of just sort of seeing what people usually talked about in other films. Uh, I just got a curiosity. This is sort of a little bit of a, a, a side trip here, but finding this film, what, what went into that part of making uh, this film, Boom For Real? Well, I feel like the film was made in a very similar uh, way that we uh, made art and films in the late 70s. I mean, I saw what Alexis had. Mm -hmm. I went, I didn't wait for film financing. I just went and bought a camera and pulled together a very small little team of people to work with me. And then all the footage and the archives were, you know, because people knew that I was a witness and either knew me from that time or knew of me. um, People were really amazing and giving me material in which to, to tell our story. And, um, and, you know, I think everybody's feeling was sort of like, if she if she doesn't do it, who was a witness, somebody else will, and it won't be right, yeah. you know? So, <laughs> um, and that's why at the end of the film, uh, instead of breaking down, you know, people's archives, I, I give everyone the credit of collaborator, because I feel like this film was made in the same spirit as we had in the late 70s, too. So it yeah. was a very a kind of moving journey. It took me four years to make the film. And... Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I couldn't make it without all these people's participation. Wow. Uh, we're speaking with Sarah Driver. She's the director of the film Boom For Real, The Late Teenage Years of Jean-Michel Basquiat. Now, people will know the name. I think more likely than they'll really know the art. If you were to describe, and I know he went through phases, and there's a whole lot of, it's maybe too big a question to say, describe uh, Jean-Michel's best Basquiat's uh, work, but just kind of give us a general outline of how you would characterize his his artwork. Well, I think he was a very interesting artist because also his use of language in his paintings. Right. Um, and his work is still so relevant, which is, you know, and it feels so new, even yeah. though it's 30 years old. Um, I mean, he was influenced by cartoons and cultural icons, and, and he's very political as well. Yeah. Um, uh you know, he, he there's an energy and a, like a force field that comes out of his work. Yeah, yeah, that that's what draws me to it. What and especially watching the film, uh, I love this kind of uh, you know revisiting of people's work again, especially from this particular era, because there's something wild and energetic is a is a great word to use for this. His his films, his art really kind of just jumped off the page at you and really forces you to react one way or the other. I feel like art like this just makes you, puts you in a position to either get it or not. And, but in, in, in that process, uh, you feel something. Is that, am I being fair to him? 
Yeah, I think so. And I think that that was his intention when he did uh, when he and Aldiaz were Samo and writing very, you know, cryptic, interesting political and non-political messages on the walls, which were that was his canvas originally. Yeah. Would would you say and to be again, fair to both artists here, would for, for people for a modern, more modern reference, would Banksy be someone that would be akin a or, or, you know, down down the path from from where Basquiat was doing what he was doing? I think of Bas- uh, Banksy more like a kind of Richard Hamilton than okay. I, I do than I do a Jean Michel. Um, Is there someone contemporary that people, if they're you know, were sort of sort of have a a, a more of a version of him in his work? Is that is it uh, or is he singular? Would you? Uh, I think he's he's pretty singular. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I don't know. I, okay. I think he's pretty singular. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, I love this African American artist, um, Carrie James Marshall. His work is mind blowing. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I have not. I have not. Yeah, the Met had a, a show of his, and it was just incredible. I mean, it was very different than Jean Michel's. It was much more figurative than Jean's work. Um, but uh, his his work, I, I think he's an astounding artist. Um, um, okay. Well, the the film focuses on, as it says in the title, the late teenage years of Jean Michel Basquiat. So uh, he eventually evolved, and he lived uh, a number of years. He died so young, but he lived about is it seven years past the the time when the of the framing yeah. of this film. So he grew as an artist. He continued to produce provocative. And very interesting work. Uh, is why why the focus on those particular years? Um, because that was you know after eighty one everything changed. Ronald Reagan came into power, yeah. um, you know, and and, and actually seventy nine eighty actually echoes a lot of what's happening in the world today. There's a lot of historic similarities actually. I mean, we were, again, entering a Cold War yeah. uh, because Russians had invaded Afghanistan, as we are doing now. Um, yeah. uh, it, it seemed like from 78 to 81, that was a period where people really weren't that interested. You know, Jean knew what his value was, but nobody else really did, and nobody really cared. Um, we were sort of making art for each other. Um, and it was this kind of very weird zeitgeist period in New York where there, there was this coming together of many, many different art forms who were all nurturing each other and, and people were trying things and failing and, and succeeding. And, um, I think now people have a, have a kind of fear of failure, but unless you fail, you don't learn. So, um, you know, I, I just I, I focused on that period because everything did change after that. I mean, we had this disease that appeared that didn't have a name until the early 80s, which was AIDS that killed so much, so many people in our community. The drug suddenly we had crack, which was a very efficient way to get rid of people much faster than heroin. Um, right. Right. You know, it 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 was a very uh, you know it was a time when. You know, people would meet up at clubs and, and, you know, you'd put posters up on the street yourself with glue to announce your film showing on a sheet in a in a storefront somewhere. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was a it was a very particular moment. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And and once again, you're right. Going back to sort of the echoes of, of the of that period of time. We now New York is definitely the epicenter 
of a lot of different things, including, unfortunately, for some many reasons, our politics. <clears throat> Pardon me. And so you're right. The res, the sort of the echoes of that period of time are definitely with us today. And and his politics, Jean uh, Michel uh, Basquiat's po- politics, would are just as relevant as you said earlier, uh, as they were then. Um, and yeah, and we were and we were having the same problems. Like you know, look at Michael Stewart, who was murdered for doing graffiti in the subway station on 14th Street. Okay. You know, yeah. and that stuff is still going on. Yeah. One of the things about the film that's just uh, wonderful is the uh, you 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 chart the history not not just of his work and the, the people the other people artists in the community but you dubbed new york city and was interesting i was un, completely unaware but i should have been i think in some ways because it it's for, it became fairly obvious but once these clubs began to get some cachet once we're talking about mud club and cbgb's and these kinds of places you saw an influx of of organized crime move into that to that scene and and the corrupting impact it had on many of these people. Talk a little bit about that. Um, well, you know, I, I remember I used to see John Gotti walking around my neighborhood um, and the Ravenite Club, which, um, and, you know, of course, Scorsese was making, you know, we were watching like Mean Streets and stuff. So there was a kind of allure about the, the mob as well. Yeah. And, um, um, you know, it, 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 it was all part of, I think, a bigger picture of, uh, you know, it was was very odd how heroin was introduced to the art world through the Mud Club and through, um, you know, I remember there was a guy who used to, who would deal heroin and, um, and he was, he was French and he was a painter and suddenly he got busted, but he didn't go to jail. He just went back to France, you know, and where did he come from and why was he so placed amongst all of these artists? Right. Right, um, right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I also, mean, we were we were pretty subversive too. You yes. Know? Yes. I, this is it. Anytime artists gather, anytime there's a sort of a cluster of artistic uh, activity, it does seem like these influences that are introduced into into those particular events. Yeah, it's hard not to see that when uh, from especially from from the perspective of looking back on it. Um, and also, and I, I maybe I'm being gratuitous here, but this is also a time when when Trump moved into a lot of he started buying up real estate on a fairly significant way, and, and becoming I, a student of Roy, Roy Cohen, and became as yeah sort of a handmaiden to Roy Cohen, yeah, absolutely. You know, he's his whole thing is thug behavior. Right, right, right. It's thug behavior. Never apologize. Never, never, ever take you know responsibility, and yeah, all of it, and. So, yeah, and keep doing keep doing these things until you get caught. Exactly, basically. exactly. It is yeah. So well, I I this is just a great film. It's going to be opening here in Los Angeles uh, May eleventh, uh, and uh, please look for it. It's a just a just wonderful film. I want to before I let you go. Uh, I, one last thing, you did make a film during the this period of time that uh, d- you did this with with uh, Paul Bowles. Is that correct? You yes, I you made were, a film called You Are Not I. Yeah. And um, Paul Bowles, I loved his writing, and I remember reading that story. It's a seven, based on a seven-page story, and I remember after I read those seven pages, I was like, what happened in this story? And then I decided to make the movie exactly as I had read the story, and, um, and I made the film without the rights, 
And, um, and then through William Burroughs, who lived around the corner, and uh, my friend Howard Bruckner was making a film about Burroughs, I got Paul Bowles' address, and I sent him a letter, and I said, I made this film. Um, how can I get the rights? And he told me to see his agents at William Morris. And I went to his agents at William Morris. I was about 22. I was really nervous. And they said, we wouldn't have given you the rights if you hadn't made the film first. <laughs> so that just goes to show just be proactive if you have something you want to tell wow. or show. That's a great story. Well, con- congratulations on this film. Congratulations for picking up a, a camera uh, again because it's been a little bit of a gap since the last film you made, When Pigs Fly. And uh, it it's a tr- really is a really good documentary. If you don't know about Jean-Michel Basquiat, this is a fantastic introduction. And the people in the film are all wonderful and wonderful witnesses to his work, including, as you mentioned, Alexis Adler, uh, Luxante, uh, Fred Braithwaite. Uh, Braithwaite. Brathwaite. Brathwaite. Pardon me. Thank you. Brathwaite. Uh, Lee. Quinones uh, and Jim Jarmish, among many others. Uh, so it's a it is a terrific window into a world that uh, has cr- still resonates today with artists and filmmakers. Sarah, thank Dr- you so much, Sarah Driver. Thank you so much. The film is called "Boom for Real: The Late Teenage Years of Jean Michel Basquiat." Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.